Friends, in a teaching about the length of that song, Jesus gave his first leadership development training to the apostles that he called after he had prayed all night. He called them, he did a few miracles and exorcisms, and then he turned and looked at the disciples and he started to speak. And it is this um, word that he started to speak. He started to speak a radical word. And I'm wondering why my clicker is. There we go. He started to speak a radical word. One that you would maybe not expect when you just called some recruits and you were going to give your first talk to them. But he starts to lay out a picture of a storm. A storm that would be coming. And he was going to prepare them for the storm. And he said these words. He said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep. These are his first words to his followers. And they're probably thinking, what did we just agree to do, right? Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Jesus started his training and he started laying out this blessings and woes. There were going to be things that were going to happen and you were going to be blessed because of the difficulty. But then woe to the people who were just living for the day and not really following the kingdom principles and not following Jesus' teaching because there was not going to be that same blessing. Actually, they were going to be called false prophets. And so he starts to lay this out at the beginning of the talk. Well, he isn't the only leader that has at times called for a large commitment and laid out a, a plan that was going to require a lot because discipleship does require a lot. And if you were here at the Embers to Flames training On Thursday night, we heard a story of a minister who preached the gospel and had an altar call. And he said, if you want to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to give up all your rights, give up everything you own, and give over the control of your life to Jesus, then I invite you to stand. And there were 500 people that stood. And he thought, well, certainly they didn't hear me correctly. And so he said, I just want to explain to you, this means that you're going to give up the rights to your life and how you want to do things, and you're going to follow Jesus wherever he calls you and whatever he calls you to do. And so I just invite you to remain standing if you want to do that, and the rest of you may sit down. And no one sat down. And so I said, okay, everybody sit down. I just want to make sure you understand this. And then he went on to talk about the cost of discipleship and what it would mean that Jesus is Lord. And then he said, for those of you who want to follow the Lord, then I'm going to invite you to just meet me out in the narthex. And the rest of you, the blessings of the Lord. And there were 500 plus more that joined him in the narthex. And so certainly the call of Christ, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, people respond to that because it's something that is other than this world. It is a kingdom that we're being invited into. And I don't know why it's not advancing. 
So I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and advance to the next slide back there. If we can. So Jesus prepares his followers for the storm that's coming. He's preparing them for something that they don't know what's coming, but it's religious persecution, and they're going to see Jesus being persecuted because of what he says, and his followers are going to have to face that same persecution. And so he starts at the beginning to tell them, you're going to be blessed if you follow me. And then he picks up in our text tonight, or today, and tells us these words. And I want to invite you to... um, Look at Luke 6, 46 through 49. 16.04. Let's read this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed And its destruction was complete. This was the way Jesus ended his teaching. And in that little section where it first starts, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Well, we don't use the title Lord around here very much, you know, these days. But there were lords and there were vassals or servants. And so the Lord meant master. The title Lord meant master, it, mean, it meant the boss, the one that would call the shots, the one that would give directions. And he's saying, you can say, Lord, Lord, this emotional plea, but if you're not respecting and honoring and obeying what I'm saying, then you're serving someone else. You're not serving me. And this falls just on the um, edge of where, just a little bit before, he had talked about being a hypocrite having a plank in your eye instead of the speck in somebody else's. And so he's saying, don't call me Lord, Lord, but but yet disobey and not follow my instructions because I'm trying to prepare you. I'm trying to raise you up to be a kingdom people, one that would represent my father's purposes and missions on the earth. And so he's saying, listen, think about it. The fruit of being a hypocrite You're saying one thing, but you're still living your own way and in your own plans. You'll see these kind of fruit in a person's life. A lack of peace or chaos. Perhaps sickness, not all sickness, is because we're not following the Lord. But certainly there can be sickness, there can be losses, even physical death. I was reading this morning a story before I came to church about Achan in the Old Testament and about the deceptive sin of taking from the plunder of Jericho and hiding that. And actually, the Lord put him to death because of that hypocritical sin. He wasn't following the Lord's orders. And so, certainly, our salvation comes by grace alone through faith alone. But there can be consequences in this life if we're not walking 
If we're saying we're following Jesus, but we're doing something else and living a different way, there can be consequences, serious consequences. The Lord also knows that there's a serious flood that's going to come. And that flood, whatever that torrent is, whatever that crisis is that may come in our lives, we don't face religious persecution that often in this country, mildly, but not like our brothers and sisters in other countries. But certainly the Lord was trying to prepare them. He was trying to teach them. And when the day comes that we die, or when Jesus comes back, when we face judgment, there are no do-overs. Are we going to build our house on the rock and follow his directions, or aren't we? He faces his leaders. He gives them a choice. And he says there's two possible outcomes. You can have a secure outcome by digging a foundation on the rock, or you can build a house with no foundation. But when that storm comes and when that flood comes and when the water rises, it's complete destruction. This is Jesus' grace to us. That he prepares us. As parents, sometimes we lay down consequences before we even told our kids what the rules were. We don't parent always so well, right? Have you ever been guilty of that maybe? You know, well, you should know to be quiet in that place, you know, when they pipe up and, you know, but did we tell them to be quiet? Well, Jesus is a gracious leader who tells us in advance what the consequences would be And we can have security and blessing by digging a deep foundation, or we can face devastation if we choose to just build our house wherever we want, however we want. A deep foundation. In the Greek, it says two verbs, actually, in that sentence, dug and dug down deep. And so the idea is to emphasize that this takes effort and intentionality. It's costly. It's harder work. To dig down deep. I was digging in my garden yesterday and I called my son or my husband, either one, could you dig these holes for me while I plant the flowers? It's work. It's effort, right? To dig deep, to dig a deep hole. Well, the Lord's saying it's worth the effort to dig the deep hole because that foundation is going to bear a lot of weight and it's going to be securely anchored then. Your house is going to be securely anchored. Well, how do we dig this deep foundation for our lives. Well, Jesus is saying we do it by putting his words into practice. For the one who puts his words into practice is like the one who dug the deep foundation and his house was secure on the rock. And so, in between the beginning and the end of his teaching, there's 18 commands as best that I could go through and count them. And so I put them on your handout, 18 commands in this one seven-minute speech. There's a couple of repetitions, and where you see those repetitions, the Lord's trying to emphasize those. Love your enemies. Remember, this is digging deep foundations. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies, repeated. Do good to them, repeated. Lend to them, 
without expecting to get anything back. Be merciful. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Forgive. Give. That one's repeated. Give. Be a generous person. Take the plank out of your own eye. Don't be a hypocrite. These are the Lord's commands. This is how he's doing leadership training. He's saying, you're going to be a kingdom person. You're going to follow my father just as I follow my father. This is digging deep foundations for our lives through obedience. You want to advance the next slide? Preparing for the storm. I want you to think about this, that every one of these things that I just said, love your enemies, forgive. When you, you know, this is costly, right? It's costly when we forgive. It's costly when we have somebody ask us for something and we, we give that money that we were hoping for something else. But each time that we're obedient, I want you to hear the joy of the Lord in saying that you're blessed. And I think that we can even tell ourselves that. Like, you know, maybe we just need to encourage and exhort ourselves a little bit. You know, you do something and you say, I'm laying a foundation. I'm laying a deep foundation. Jesus says I'm blessed. And so when you choose to forgive somebody, Jesus says I'm blessed. We can encourage, we can exhort ourselves by his word. These are opportunities to lay a foundation so that when the big storm comes, this is just practice, we're getting muscle memory. We're practicing using our muscles to forgive, to bless, to give generously, to turn the other cheek. And we have this muscle memory so that when the big storm comes and things that are really difficult in life that we haven't even faced yet, but when it comes, we already have a certain built-in response that represents Jesus and his love. Next slide, please. I was blessed to watch a video This is my friend Ann Zaki. She's a um, seminary professor over in Egypt. And there were some Egyptian Christians that had a video, about a seven-minute-long video, asking the rest of the world to pray for the Christians in Egypt because they face very serious religious persecution. And in that video, they talked about when ISIS, you remember this spring ISIS had the men at the seaside And beheaded them. And they videotaped it and they released that video thinking that it would intimidate Christians. And the Christian leaders in this video said, We were so strengthened in our faith because Egypt has a long history of martyrdom for our faith. They have stood on Jesus Christ and the rock of Jesus with deep foundations. And they said, When we watched that and we heard those men praising Jesus, Even before they were beheaded, they thought to themselves, yes, it's true. His grace is sufficient. He'll help us too. And in fact, they they said this, and I hadn't heard this before, but they said that 20 of the men that were taken hostage were Christians, and one had not converted to Christianity. But because he saw the other hostages forgiving those who were getting ready to behead them and praying for their salvation, that he converted also. And so certainly when we act out and live out this life, this kingdom life with deep roots in it, it impacts the witness that Jesus intends for us to have for the whole world, right? And so 
this is our inheritance. This is what Jesus is calling his leaders to do. That's what's happened in the other parts of the world. Well, let's bring it back to this area right here, Northwest Grand Rapids. What have I seen God doing recently? In people in our church applying and digging deep foundations. Well, I want to tell you three brief stories. The first one is of James, and this is a picture of James and Pastor Dave. And a number of you were involved in this this week, where James was standing on a street corner panhandling. And first, Jan drove by and saw him and prayed, prayed for him. Well, Pastor Dave drove by in the morning and saw him and prayed for him. And in the evening, he drove by and the man was still standing there and he prayed for him again. And that time he felt led to pull over and stop and talk to him. And he found out a little bit about his story and that he had come from um, Reno for a relationship with a woman that had fallen apart and now he was trying to get money to go home. And he had raised about $100, but he lacked the rest. And it had been there all day and I don't think it had been a good day of collecting. Pastor Dave didn't feel nudged by the Holy Spirit at that time to share the gospel But he said, you know, I believe that we would like to help you raise the rest of the money that you need so that you can um, go back home. And so then he involved Mark and Andrew, and we prayed on noon prayer for James. And then Mark and Andrew went and took James to another. He had left his money and his clothing at another panhandler's home, but unfortunately they weren't able to retrieve that. But there was a relationship being established, and... The Lord gave the opportunity then that evening for Pastor Dave to meet James at Tim Hortons. One of the things the Lord says to do is to give to those who ask and to give generously. Well, Pastor Dave gave the gospel generously. And you know what? James was a believer, but he had backslidden. And so he confessed his sins. He received the forgiveness of the Lord. He also was given the money, the ticket to get back on the bus Back to Reno. This was an example of digging a deep foundation, of being generous, of praying, of loving and caring for others. Another story, Sandy Sprouse. Many of you know Sandy. She often sits up here. Many of you have been involved with helping her come out of homelessness and um, seeking shelter. And as you've worked on this as a team, Kate, Jan, Terry, Vic, Charlotte, others have worked to try to help Sandy. She got scared. 25-page application for housing, and she got scared, and she took off. And she took a bus down to Florida to be with family because she thought that would be a good thing. But then we got a call, and it wasn't a good situation. And it sounded like it was she was somewhat in danger, but, you know, she's also somewhat confused at times, and Sandy's given me permission I talked to her this morning. She gave me permission to share this with you. But she got scared and she called and said, would you help me get back to Grand Rapids? Could the church help me get a ticket? Well, we prayed as a group. We discerned. It seemed like the right thing to do. Costly, but right. $278 or something like that. But we didn't. We weren't on the ground in Florida to help her. How do we get a ticket to her and get the money to her? How do we help her? Well, there were two churches down in Florida, and we contacted them. And I want to tell you that one of those churches, the pastor called us on his day off on Friday. He heard the message, and he 
called us on his day off to see how can I help. One of the deacons of their church called me Friday night at 8 p.m. I got the message and I just wanted to see how could we help. Well, by that time she was already on the bus on her way home. But that church and those of us that are on this team, we're digging deep foundations on the rock of Jesus. When we're serving, we're trying to help people that are in need. It's being merciful. It's trying to do to others what you would want them to do to you. Because what would you want to do if you were somewhat confused and you called out to your church family to help? Right? Well, within our church, and this is not anybody specifically, but I want to say that there's opportunities to dig deeper, church, in the do not judge and forgive categories. I've seen, and Pastor Dave has seen over the last few weeks, opportunities where it seems like the enemy's trying to stir up a little trouble between those that come from one kind of background and those that come from another kind of background. Those that are more time-oriented and those that are less time-oriented. Those who have education of this type and those that don't have education. And there can be some judging sometimes or a clash of culture. An enemy would love to bring hurt and quick assumptions and, and, and hurt feelings. And the fruit of that would be division. The fruit of that would be disunity. And the Lord's inviting us to dig deep foundations and to forgive and to bless. And yes, we need to talk to one another when there's conflicts, but we need to do it through the lens of forgiveness and love. If there's anger there, then we need to think back to what Jesus did when he lived on this earth among sinners that were doing things that offended him and offended and were against the kingdom of God, right? But what did Jesus do? He didn't get up on that cross and say, before I ask my Father to forgive you, let me just tell you how angry I am with you. Let me just tell you how my rights were offended. He didn't say that at all. He kept his mouth shut. And then he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He trusted his Father would be the judge. And so when we have a conflict, when we have a hurt, when there's an opportunity for us to forgive, as much as it's difficult and takes work, just like stepping on a spade in clay soil, it's hard work to dig down. But we dig down and we forgive. And we're saying, Lord, I'm digging a deep foundation and I'm trusting you to be at the bottom of this, the rock that will hold me up and keep me firm as I forgive. I want to read something to you that um, happiness, one of Divine and John Baptiste's children, gave me a little note before the service started. She had no idea what we're preaching on this morning. She drew, she drew this little note. The blue, I think, even maybe is water, and she doesn't even know. I don't know. But listen to this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I believe the Holy Spirit gave her this scripture. And she said, Pastor Jeannie, you can share it with everybody. So from our little, littlest ones, they're learning to minister the word of God to us. And the word of God to us says to forgive and to bless and to love. 
Jesus wants us to be secure and prepared, and he invites us to dig deep into the foundation of Jesus, who is the rock. I came across a little story, something that happened 100 years or so ago, where there was a ship, and it was off the coast of England, and a storm came up, and the ship crashed up against the rocks and sank. And this 15-year-old sailor jumped into this churning sea and swam to a rock that was offshore. And he spent all night in the pitch dark in the storm, clinging to this rock. And a reporter interviewed him afterwards and said, tell me what it was like. I bet you were just scared and trembling all night. And he said, yes, I did. I trembled all night with fear and cold. And then he added, but the rock never trembled once. The rock never trembled once. Family, the rock never trembles. God doesn't tremble. As we hold on to him who is the rock, he holds us in the security and in the palm of his hand. And so right now, I feel like even as Jesus spoke to his leaders and said, there's two ways you can live. You can follow my commands, or you can try to live your own life. But there's serious consequences. Um, Sometimes when we say um, Jesus is the rock and he's unshakable, it sounds comforting but can feel abstract to us. And... um, Jay passed me a note uh, of something that he was sensing that I I really resonate with. And he said that, um, wondering if the troubles in relationships of this world are times when we're abandoning ship or jumping off the rock or not on the rock rather than learning to hold on to or cling tightly to the rock. So Jesus talked about how Um, seed was scattered and it found different types of soil and it grew up and sometimes the troubles of the world choked it out. And I think the Lord Jesus is just offering us the opportunity to reflect right now on what's my reaction when trouble comes, when I have relationship difficulties. Is my reaction to get angry? Is my reaction to get anxious? Is my reaction to get... Uh, upset is my reaction to do anything other than turn to the rock, turn to the Lord Jesus in prayer and say, Lord, and invite him in and ask him what what he says. So I sense this is just an, uh, an opportunity for us to evaluate really how concretely we're building the actions and reactions of our lives on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to invite us to pause for, uh, for one minute of silence and, and to say, Lord, would you show me in my mind's eye, I'm praying this even right now, Lord, would you show us in our mind's eyes when we go through difficulty, how is it that we react? What is it that we do? Lord, do we turn to you? Do we turn to the promises of your word? Do we 
root ourselves and anchor ourselves in you. Lord, show us because we want to be standing firmly on the rock that is you and not swept away by torrents.